This is the Author Archive podcast. Today, Richard Dawkins. In 1991, he delivered a series of lectures at the Royal Institution in London. It was called Growing Up in the Universe. It was designed to attract young people and children to the scientific way of thinking. He called the series Growing Up in the Universe. And when we met, I asked him if he'd found the idea of lecturing to all these young people and children slightly scary. Yes. Uh, It was difficult. It was a lot of work. There was an audience of children. I'd been told to expect 12-year-olds to 16-year-olds. In fact, looking at them, I'm sure they must have been younger than that, although, of course, it could be just like policemen getting younger. (laughs) (laughs) I suspect they were sort of about eight. And I must say that they did seem to be interested. Um, Usually when I lecture to children, I find that the sort of yawn factor in the audience is fairly high. And I think that may be because they've been dragged along there as part of a school party. But these children at the Royal Institution, the Christmas lectures, were there voluntarily because they wanted to be. And they did seem to be interested. And it did seem to be a very worthwhile audience. Did you have any headlines because in in five fairly long lectures obviously some things are going to be forgotten are there two or three main things that you wanted to get over that you wanted to leave in the brains of both the viewers and those there well the first one i think was that we should wake up and we should not take for granted life we should see ourselves as though we had just woken up after i think i worked it out to be 140 million centuries of darkness uh, because that's how how long the universe has been going up until now. We are privileged to be alive today. We're living in a wonderful world, an exciting world, and we should shake off what I call the anaesthetic of familiarity and really see the world for the wonderful, strange place that it is. So that was the message of the first lecture. The rest of the message was that we have it within our grasp to understand why we exist and why we're here, Uh, The answer is evolution by natural selection. We do now pretty much understand the entire rationale for the existence of all life, including ourselves. That itself is a very exciting thing to to realise, that we do understand our own existence. And I think it's tragic how few children really seem to know that. They seem to be fed anything other than the truth uh, about where they came from and why they exist. So we exist because evolution ordained that we exist? Yes. Now, when you say that, do you actually risk, even now, do you risk the ire of groups who maybe have it in their interest to give an alternative explanation? Yes. (laughs) Would you like to tell me what happened? Well, I mean, you you get a lot of letters. Uh, some most most letters that I have I've had I've had a lot of letters, and most of them have been extremely nice letters, very friendly, uh, and um, very enthusiastic. Uh, quite a few of the friendly, enthusiastic letters have been from from religious people. I've had some letters from well nutters, uh, and I've had some letters, some extremely vicious letters from the religious lobby, but not many. And uh, I, I I'm, I'm trying to answer them all and uh, it's proving a lively occupation. What you said on the TV and what you... Now, I was going to say, what you believe, can you elevate it to the status of what you know? Therefore, you would say to people from the religious lobby, they are saying what they believe, you are saying what you know. 
I think that it's true to say that uh, religious belief is often a matter of internal conviction, not based upon evidence. And indeed, they take pride in that. I mean, it is a matter of some pride that faith is something that is not based upon evidence. This is what you were talking to Douglas Adams about, wasn't it? Because he invented this wonderful concept oh, yeah. of the electric monk. And you plug it in and it will believe things yes, for you. Yes, the electric you. monk does your believing for you. Well, it is true, I think, that, that uh, since the time when science has, has no longer supported religion... I mean, there, there was a time, of course, when science and religion went hand in hand because there simply wasn't any other explanation for why we exist. And so, clearly, religion had a monopoly of our scientific understanding. Everybody believed that in the book of Genesis, everybody believed that the world was created and so on. Since that's no longer true, my interpretation is that religion has fallen back upon faith as being something that's supposed to be somehow beyond the reach of science. Because a person will say, well, my religion is based on faith, not evidence, and you can't get at that. That's private, it's within me, I just know it to be true, and it's not based upon evidence, and almost proud of it not being based on, on evidence. And I don't have much sympathy for that, because I really do think that certain of the religious claims, such as the existence of God, have got to be treated as scientific claims. You cannot say that this is beyond the reach of science. You have to say a universe with a god has got to be a different kind of universe from a universe without, without a god. You can't get away from that. If there's a god, it really is the most important scientific fact that there is. And so we have to treat it with the same criticism, the same critical approach as we would treat any other scientific claim. We look for the evidence for the claim and we find it wanting. Does evolution, though, leave some questions wanting? Does, would it be fair to say that evolution tells us how we're here, but doesn't answer why? Well, you, you asked two questions. Does evolution leave something wanting? There are, of course, detailed questions that, I, that have yet to be answered, but I, I take it that's not what you mean. No, no. You mean something more fundamental, yes. the how and why thing. Um, I think the, the way I'd like to put that is that the why question, if you mean fundamentally why does the universe exist, what is the purpose of the universe, the answer is there isn't one. Why on earth should there be one? Uh, we have no right to assume that everything has to have a purpose just because we live in a world in which motor cars and microwave ovens and things have purposes. We're used to things having purposes, but we mustn't generalize that to the world at large. On the other hand, living things, birds with their wings and and us with our legs and our eyes and things, we look as though we've been designed for a purpose, unlike rocks and stars. And that's where Darwinism really comes into its own, because it explains beautifully and elegantly why it is that birds and flowers and humans look as though they have a purpose. But is, does this explain in your mind why religion keeps going with the energy that it does have? Because we know that microwave ovens are there for a purpose. We do make, in, in your view, the mistake of thinking that everything has to have a purpose as well, and the only purpose it can have is one that we believe in. Yes, I think that's certainly a likely reason why, for example, 
Darwin was so long coming along. I mean, we had to wait until the middle of the 19th century before this really rather simple idea of natural selection was thought of. And I really do think that it, it was the distracting effects of whatever the equivalent of microwave ovens was, uh, ploughs and th things, um, that did that for us. As to whether it's why people still going, go on being religious, I'm not sure about that. I think it may be in a large, in many cases, just plain ignorance. I mean, people simply don't know about um, the true explanation for our existence. They're not taught it in, in schools. Yes, and is that something you abhor? Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's why I write books about it and why I give lectures on the television about it and things. Now, some might say, because the truth is so, well, would you say prosaic, it actually takes away the wonder of existence. Now, you might say that it actually adds to the wonder of it. I'm sure it adds to it. I mean, I, I really yield to nobody in my, in my sense of wonder at, at the living world, and I've, I've studied it all, all my life, and I'm simply bowled over by the magnificence of it. And the more I understand it, the more wonderful I think it is. Therefore, if you could make one change in education in this country today, and my golly, it needs some sort of change, what would that be? I think it would be to teach the scientific view of the universe and our place in it from an early age and to give it the priority that it deserves, not leave it until the rather late stage that it's at present left. And to some extent, it only goes to those children who elected to specialise in science, and I do think that's tragic. And just finally, you say that uh, your lectures brought forth a response from certain religious groups and ind individuals. If that educational change does happen, what happens to religion, which has... It, it's done some appalling things, but it all has also enriched human existence in the past with religious artifacts and art and whatever, and it has done something for the human spirit. What happens to it? Well, I think that realistically it's going to go on. I mean, I, I, I can't see it withering away, which is what I think intellectually ought to happen. I don't think it will wither away. I think it goes on and will go on because the... Um, I think fundamentally because they get them young. I mean, they, I mean, children of a certain age are immensely suggestible. They have to be immensely suggestible because... Evolution designed them that evolution way. Evolution designed them that way because they have to learn language, they have to learn to pick up the wisdom of, their, of the culture in which they're born, and that's immensely important. And, of course, they're bound to pick up some rubbish with the good parts, and it takes a child time to grow up enough to be able to sort out the rubbish from the good parts and many of them I'm afraid never do and they go on to pass on the rubbish to the next generation that's Richard Dawkins talking to me David Freeman after delivering the Christmas lectures in 1991 titled growing up in the universe this is the author archive podcast <laughs>